Well, what's up, everybody? I hope you're doing great. Having, hope you're having an awesome day. Hope that you can feel God's presence in what he's doing. If you are new here to Grace, my name is Aaron Olinsky. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you're watching online, we're so glad that you took some time to watch. And we hope that you feel God. I hope that you feel the Holy Spirit. I know that's one of the things we're always after uh, is to experience him in our worship and singing and, and praising him. It just is incredible. And so we're in, a, in week two of a series that we're calling Unoffendable. Uh, so what if, you know, we took the opportunity and we began to move into the possibility that we become unoffendable? Because I don't know if you've noticed, but everybody is offended at everything. There are so many opportunities for us to get offended at so many different things. So for us as a church, we wanted to address it. We wanted to go after it. We wanted to take a look to see what Scripture says about you and I and our offenses and, and how we're to respond. And so today my text is gonna be in Ephesians chapter four. So if you have your Bibles, you can go, hope, go ahead and open up to Ephesians four. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. No problem, the verses will be on the screen. If you're watching online, the verses will pop up on the screen and, and it'll be great. You'll be able to track along with me. But one of the things that I wanted to, to focus on is that I really wanted to do a little bit of a different spin in this message today, because I wanted to focus on those people. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? Those people, when you're talking about offense and being offended and, and those people that really, really do their very best to make sure that they're telling you what your opinion should be. They're telling you what they think and you should follow along with them. And, and so, you know, we have those people in our lives everywhere. They're critical, uh, they're judgmental. Sometimes they're just flat out mean, like they are mean, they just are vengeful, and we see them on social media. You may have some of those people in your office place. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we see them in our family gatherings, uh, so, but not you guys, like not here at Grace Church. Like none of you, like don't, don't, don't look at the person next to you and say, you know, you're one of those people. Like, don't do that. Like that's not cool. Uh, we're not going to do that. But so how are we going to walk through this process in dealing with those people where you and I can still be unoffendable? And so we're gonna dive in deep and, and pull, pull some things out of scripture that we really need in our, need in our life because how do we deal with them? How do we still love them and honor them in the things that they may be struggling with? And so I think we really need to, to have God speak to us through this because there's so much that we've got to have right now. So I want to pause right now in the service and pray and just ask that the Lord would speak through his word. And so God, we do just that. God, we recognize there's times that you speak to us in dreams and visions. God, sometimes you speak to us through other people. Lord, you often, so often when we're reading your scripture, you just communicate to us. And so Lord, we open up ourselves, our mind, our heart, our soul, that your Holy Spirit would be present here that you would communicate to us where we need to, to make, some, make some adjustments and you need to reveal some things to us. And so God, we, we put ourselves in that place. In Jesus' name, amen. So we, we know, for those of us that are following after Christ, we know we're like, hey, we're supposed to love other people. We're supposed to love them as ourselves. But that is so easy to say, and it is so difficult to do sometimes because people are offensive and, and we want to try and be unoffendable, but man, we just, we just get bothered. And there's so many of those people everywhere. We encounter them all the time. So how do we handle them? How do we handle those people? So let's take a look. We're going to go to Ephesians 4, and we're going to start at verse 26. So it says this, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. 
Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember that he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. And so there's so much in those verses. So what I'm going to do is I wanted to read the whole thing to us, and then I'm just going to walk through the, the different verses and, and, and have some application and how we need to take a look. But it is just reality that we are going to be offended. Uh, it's just, I, I think we have to understand that every single one of us, we either have caused an offense or we've been offended by other people. And, but really, it's both. Every single one of us, none of us are exempt from that. But the problem is in, in these verses where it says, when we hold on to the anger, when we hold on to the offense, that's when we start to have problems. And so I want to kind of create a hypothetical scenario. So what, what you might recognize is that you're holding on to some offense or that you're being offended when you're replaying certain conversations in your head. It may be a conversation that you had or might be one that you're hoping to have in the future. So if you're going, hey, next time I see them, I'm gonna say this, and uh, they'll probably say something like this, and boy, when they say that, I'm gonna be ready because I'm gonna do this, and they'll probably do this, and, and you're literally playing a whole conversation in your head repeatedly over and over and over, you probably are offended. There's probably something that's bothering you. There, there might be even be some anger, some bitterness that's inside of you. And so we're just repeating it in our head. So when we do that, when we read those scriptures in Ephesians 4, it literally gives a foothold to the devil in our life. So I want to address this word foothold a little bit because, you know, I don't know about you, but when I think of the word foothold, I think of mountain climbing, like climbing, a climbing wall, right? You have the, the handholds and you, and you get a foothold, like you're trying to get something to have your legs so you can boost up. And so that's what I think of. And then the other thing I think of with a foothold is, you know, when you were a kid and maybe running around chasing, you know, brother or sister or whatever, and they go to the door, they go in the room and they get ready to close the door and you shove your foot in the door jam, you're like, nope, I got my foot in there. You can't close it. Here I come. And so that's what I think of. And, and that makes sense. But when we read the context of these verses and the true meaning of this word foothold, what it unfolds, there is a greater, deeper meaning. So this word foothold is more than just getting a spot to prop up or a place to, to kind of ease in. It literally talks about how we open up an opportunity for the devil to come in and remain. That's the key part. It's not just a foothold to creep in and squeeze in. It literally is where we create a place for the enemy to dwell in our house. And so it's bigger when you start talking about that. It's not just this little tiny thing. It's something significant. And when you think about it, whenever in our life do we want Satan to give us influence or advice? 
Have you ever said, oh my gosh, I have this really big decision, you know, in my relationships, in, in my work, maybe you're a manager or an owner and you're going, I really have this big decision. I'm gonna ask the devil what he thinks we should do as a corporation. You know, hey, what, what partnerships does the devil want us to, to line up with? It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Like we would never do that. That just sounds insane. But that's exactly what's taking place when we move to this spot where we allow the enemy to have a foothold and remain. Because when we allow anger and bitterness to remain, what we're doing is we're continually allowing the influence of the devil in our life. It might be in our emotions, in our mind, in our spirit, but we're allowing him to lie and deceive us repeatedly where we're replaying these conversations based on anger and bitterness. And we're allowing him to stay. So I think one of the keys that we have to recognize is the devil's goal is to destroy. His goal is to come in, invade, and just bring destruction and deception on every single person's life, especially a Christ follower. So if you're following Jesus, that doesn't make us exempt to be influenced by the devil. Now, I'm not saying you're demon-possessed. That's not what I'm saying at all. But we are influenced at times when he tries to creep in, he tries to get a foothold, he tries to get in and remain. So I think for us, we have to be keen, we have to be aware and recognize that he's trying to do this. So if we're easily offended or if we're easily manipulated, I believe that the devil can influence us to promote his agenda when we're offended. So what I wanna do is I wanna create just kind of an understanding of, about the devil's strategy. You know, because if you're ever battling against someone, one of the best things that you can do is you know their techniques. What is it that they do to, to use against the ones that they're attacking? So I wanna just kind of reveal some of the enemy's tactics on what he does to get that foothold and remain. So the first one is division. I mean, th this is a primary one that he uses all the time. He'll use divi division to get inside of marriages. He'll use division inside of families. He'll use division in relationships all the time. In your friendships, if you have good friends and things are going well, the enemy wants to do everything that he can to cause problems in your friendships. And he wants to bring division in churches. There's a Psalm, it says how, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. So that's the, the church body, us as Christ followers coming in as a church. The, the devil hates that. Like he doesn't want us to have unity, he wants us to have disunity. So he wants to bring division and cause separation in churches everywhere all the time. Another thing that the enemy uses is distraction. I know many of us, we experience this all the time where, so I, I feel like hopefully you've come to the point where you know you have a mission, you have a purpose, you have a calling. And so if you have a mission, if you're going towards it, the enemy wants to distract you. He wants to pull you to the left or to the right to pull you away from what God has for you. So the way he does that is he'll cause, you know, arguments to rise up where instead of focusing on the plan and the purpose, we get pulled over this side. We've got to deal with this issue, this problem. He'll, he'll cause uh, some comparison to rise in our life. And then if, if, if things aren't quite going our way, we get distracted because we feel like we deserve things a certain way. And then when we don't get that, what do we do? We complain. We complain, we point out the problems. And so that's a distraction from the purpose that God has laid out for us. And then certainly when we begin comparing to one another, the enemy is pulling and he's pulling us away and he gets a foothold. 
There's a third one I want to share with you, and it's, it's where we get discredited. So just experiencing discredit in our life. And so hopefully you're to the point where you're, you're growing in your relationship with Christ. If you're not, we would love to help you do that. But so let's say you're growing in your relationship with Christ. One of the main things that we've recognized is that the enemy will cause you to discredit yourself. So what happens is you're going, yes, I want more of the Lord, but I have all these problems. I have this shame. I have this guilt. I used to live this type of lifestyle. I still struggle with this. And, 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 and literally we'll disqualify ourselves and we'll go, there's no way that God could love me because of what, of what I've done in the past. So we literally discredit ourselves or we allow other things to come in our life like selfishness or we're frustrated. We, we begin to feel weakened and we're unable to move forward. We get judgmental. We start to get mad about everything. And so I think it's important for us to know the strategies and schemes of our enemy because he wants to use them against us, against the church, against the people in the church. So that's why when the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus in chapter four in verse 26, he said, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. So we're to remove anger, we're to remove offense in our life. But the problem is we would rather rant on social media. We would rather make sure that that person knew our opinion. They're, oh, they're in, trying to influence me. They're saying this, I, no way, I've got to take a stand. I've got to let them know the right way and my way. And, and so we do our best to communicate our opinions strongly. To, so they're aware, because they've got to know. And so we're angry, we're upset in so many ways, in so many areas. And, and certainly it happens, as in, happens in our homes, in our marriages. We'll say hurtful things to people we love and we care about. We'll offend them. We'll even pretend that they don't exist if they offend us. That's exactly what the devil wants. That's exactly and, and the reason I bring that up is because that's exactly what I do to my wife. So I don't know if you deal with this a little bit at all, all, but I know I do this thing, it's called stonewalling. So we've done some research and some reading. And, and so when I'm upset, when I'm offended, when I'm angry at my wife, I do this amazing thing that, where I build a wall between us. So I don't wanna look at her. I don't wanna talk to her. I don't wanna touch her. I want her to be as far away from me as possible. So I literally become a mason and I put rock on top of rock to build a wall of separation between the two of us. It's so mature, isn't it? So mature, I'm so grown, I'm so proud of myself when I do that. So stonewalling is where I pretend she doesn't exist. And then there's the other side, I know some of, some of you do kind of the opposite, where we call it volcanic. So you, you literally, you're just, bah, and you spew out lava and toxic, you know, venom on everybody. It doesn't matter who they are. So some of us, we, we build up separation to other. It's more like an attack mode. And so those are too general, but usually we fall in one category or the other. If you do both, watch out, it's dangerous. But I say all that, and it's true. I say all that because I believe that God has a different way. I believe that God gives us an opportunity to move into this place to be unoffendable with every relationship and any person in every single circumstance that we encounter. 
Because it says in Colossians 3.13, it says that we're to make an allowance. We're to give some margin, some understanding for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you've got to forgive others. So what if we move into this process of being unoffendable, where we choose forgiveness? And here's my challenge to you. We're going to get offended. We are. So at that moment, what if we're offended and the Holy Spirit moves on us and, he re and we recognize it and we become aware? What if in that very moment, we then choose to begin the process of forgiveness? So literally you're offended and you begin to move in the process of forgiving that other person, whatever it is that they did. So giving them the same type of grace that God gave to us. And what if us as the church, as the body of Christ, we begin to move into this place of unoffense and forgiveness and not lashing out on other people? I'm just talking about us, right? We can't control what other people do, but in our following after the Lord and what his scripture says, what if we did that? How much resentment and bitterness would be removed from our lives from the church, from our culture, if we decided to act and do it first, to be unoffendable. Because in Ephesians 4, continuing in verse 29, he says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them not offensive, not getting your own way, not being critical, not name calling, not gossip. So literally everything that comes out of our mouth is an encouragement and a blessing to others. One of the things that we all encounter in our life along with offense is conflict resolution. So when there's a conflict, right, we feel it, we feel the tension. Uh, it could be in a, in a relationship, it could be in a decision, it could be a team that you're working on, you, you feel it. We all feel it in, in our lives. And so one of the strategies that we've gotta have is to, to be able to resolve conflicts. So the next conflict that you feel, that you experience, what if we decide to resolve it in a biblical fashion? Where we go, you know what, I'm gonna give them some latitude. I'm, I'm gonna be a little bit understanding. I'm, I'm gonna give, just, just a, I'm gonna recognize that, that they're gonna have some faults, just like I do. And so what if in our conflict resolution, we handled it in a polite, professional fashion? Because let's say you have a job and you go to an office and you sit at a table and you have a team and there's some conflict on the team. If there's issues and problems, I don't think the best thing to do is to grab all the papers on the table and go, whoosh, I can't believe you said that. What in the world? And you take a chair and you throw it over. Like that's probably not the best way to resolve. That was funny, y'all. Y'all didn't laugh at all. Like what if you're in that conflict? That's not the best way to resolve it, correct? So no, no, no. We talk through it. We work through it. We communicate in a polite, professional fashion. And so I would say we also need to do that in all of our relationships with our parents, with our children, certainly with our spouse, with the people in our family, with our friends, the people we see online. No accusations, no manipulation, 
and not being passive aggressive about it. I'm talking about literally unoffense and forgiveness and understanding. Because we can control what we think and what we have in our heart. And when our emotions are rising up and the anger's coming in and we feel it, we can control and decide to move into a place of forgiveness and understanding. We absolutely can. It takes maturity, it takes practice, it takes health and a desire to follow after Jesus' ways. But there's some incredible things in this passage of scripture where it talks about identity. So I know who I am. I know whose I am. Like I know who I am in Christ. I'm a son because I follow after him. There's no way for me to earn this on my own. It's because of Jesus. And so now I get to walk as an adopted son of the most high. And so I live like that. I think like that, not all the time, but I know that I can. So what I say, what I do can come from that place of my identity. And so if I have that true identity centered in Christ, then what that means is anything that people say or do against me doesn't have to affect me. It really doesn't because I'm confident in who I am. But the problem is, is we're emotional. We're human beings, but I just, I want us to get to this place where we acknowledge the fact that God is doing a great work in us because we're so concerned about everybody else. And so in this whole series, really being unoffended, my goal is that you, as an individual, a person, would move into this place of spiritual maturity that you wouldn't be offended, that we literally don't have to respond to anyone or anything. Now, I'm not talking about being a doormat. That is not, I'm not talking about being weak or passive at all. No, 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 no. I'm talking about being strong and confident and secure in who God has made you, where anybody can do all the ridiculousness, ridiculousness that they want, and we're not gonna have any part of it because we look at it and we go, I know exactly what that is. It's a tactic that the enemy is trying to use to bring division, disruption, or cause me to be discredited in, in my life. And we say, I'm not gonna have anything to do with it. Because there's this powerful proverb I wanna share it with you. It's 1821. It says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. I mean, do we really understand that? Do we understand the magnitude of what can come out of our mouth? So scripture also talks about that from, from our heart, out of our soul, that our mouth speaks. So what's inside of our heart that we're so offended and angry about that we feel like we've got to say it? Because we're talking about life or death, blessing and cursings come from our mouth. I believe that we choose what we say and how we say it. So I can choose to be unoffendable. And I believe the same thing for you as well. I would love for you to grow in your spiritual maturity and understanding to get to this place. In fact, along with not being offended, I believe that we can also move into this place where we decide to minister to that person. My, my goal and desire is to minister to other people. I don't know if you've recognized it in your life or not, but God has a calling on your life. It might not be to be on a stage and lead a church and to be a pastor, but you've got a calling. You've got a purpose and a destiny. He wants to use you in your sphere of influence with the people that are around you. 
So I believe that we can choose to begin praying for that person. Instead of lashing out, we can put it to prayer because who else, to, who else is better to talk to about what's upsetting us than our heavenly father? Hey God, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm bitter, and I'm struggling. I know I shouldn't be this way because it's getting me big time. God, could you please help me? God, could you please help them and straighten them out while you're at it, if you don't mind? I just, I believe that we can do that, that we can choose to minister, to be loving, we can be empathetic, we can be understanding. You know, one of the phrases that we often say is, you know, what if, what if you put yourself in their shoes? What if for just a moment, you put yourself in their place? They just, their whole world might be coming down and it's crashing and they're struggling. Because once we choose offense and anger and resentment, hostility usually accompanies it. But once I choose to be unoffendable, I believe that God gives us this amazing opportunity to offer love and grace and truth in our lives and everyone around us. So that's why in verse 31, it says this, get rid, get rid of all the bitterness, all the rage, all the anger, all the harsh words, the slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. This is so important in our lives. What if we got rid of that? Because we're talking about conflict resolution. We're talking about those people. We're talking about offense. The, the context that, that all of that works is relationship. We're in relationship with other people. So the only way that we can implement this stuff is to be loving and compassionate and close to the people that are around us. That's what a relationship is, a friendship, marriage. It's the family, the closeness. That's what creates that. And I just, I think that sometimes we've gotta be a little bit more understanding and put ourselves in, in their shoes. So let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you just listened to somebody that was totally different than you? I mean, totally different perspective, mindset, and you just listen to them. Not, not so that you could then in turn tell them your opinion, so that you could influence them with what, how they should think, or change them or fix them, but just listen. Just to hear their heart, to hear their story, and just ponder for a minute why they might think that or feel that. Just to be part of, of their life. Because maybe, just maybe, God put that person in your life on purpose. And, you're, and, and once you move into something that's a strategy of the enemy, God's ways will not be proclaimed. But if we're willing to be unoffendable, I believe that God can use us in any single circumstance. Because if you're a jerk and you're yelling at people and you're putting all this stuff on social and you're getting after everybody, you're not gonna have many friends. You're not. They're gonna snooze you for 30 days. They're gonna block you entirely. They're like cancel culture, like they will get rid of you in a heartbeat and it will be so easy. And it's so easy for you and I to hurl insults from a distance. It is so easy for us to do that. But it takes time and intentionality to develop a relationship. 
And in this day and age, in this culture, if you truly are gonna have an influence on the people around you, it's, it comes through relationship. There is no doubt. You've gotta have a friendship. You have, have to have some type of connection. <laughs> and if you're just mean, nobody's gonna wanna be your friend. And so dealing with those people, it takes a lot of effort on our part. You can't expect a non-Christian to respond in a Christian fashion. But as your pastor, I think God lays this understanding on us that we're to respond a little bit differently than everyone else is. And we can't change them. But I believe that God wants to change us. That's the whole idea with being unoffendable. God, start with me. Because what would it look like if you and I removed anger and bitterness from our life? Then all of our circles begin to change. Our influence, how it happens, how the Lord uses us, starts with us. There's a, a couple of verses I wanna share with you. These are fabulous. They're a little bit uh, revealing and vulnerable, but it's in Psalm 139. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along paths of everlasting life. And so what I'm gonna do in just a moment is I'm gonna read this and I want you just where you're at, either online or in person, I want you to read it with me and make it a prayer to God in your seat, wherever you are. So let's do this. So, so imagine, just say it with me, where you're just silently in your head, search me, oh God, know my heart. God, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. We're so concerned about the offenses from other people and we're exposing how we're offending others. What about the offenses that we've made towards God? I believe that God is doing an incredible work right now dealing with us because it's not so much about finger pointing, it's, but it literally is about the, the spiritual transformation in our heart. God, where am I offending other people? God, where am I doing this? Would you show me? God, where am I lacking compassion? Who do I need to be empathetic to right now in my life? And I am just so frustrated and not empathetic at all. I'm angry and I'm upset. And what that is, it's a foothold. It's an opportunity for the enemy to come in and remain. And we can't have that. And so we're gonna have a significant time of prayer and it's gonna be amazing, incredible. In fact, at the end of every service, our prayer team is always up front. And so if you would love prayer, we'd love to have you come up. But I believe that we're forgiven by God so that we can be forgiving to other people around us. And so let's be unoffendable so that we can make a difference. It's not about getting our point across, it's about Christ's kingdom advancing. And so I wanna pray uh, for us and, and with us. And so I just, I want you to receive this right now. Uh, would you just kind of bow your head and close your eyes and receive this from the Lord? Let's, let's have a conversation with Him where, you know, let's, God, I, we acknowledge we, we struggle, we have issues and problems. Lord, we've even been thinking about particular people, those people in our life, we're upset, we're frustrated, Lord. We wanna acknowledge it before you. God, would you deal with us right now? 
And Father, right now, we also wanna just absolutely confess our sins. Would you bring forgiveness in us? We need you now more than ever. We're so sorry for all that stuff, the harsh words, the slander, the aggression, us trying to be right all the time. Father, we just apologize. We recognize that it's, it's not your way, but God, would you do something amazing in us in this, in this interaction, this download from heaven, just this divine connection from you, that you would change the way that we think, that you would help us to process our emotions. Lord, that our spirit would come alive in you because of your spirit more than ever before, that we would glorify your name, that you would advance, do something miraculous in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.